Welcome to another episode of the Dark Alternative Music Composer. Now, in this episode, I want to talk about how did I get here and where exactly is here? Great question. In fact, two great questions. Uh, And hopefully this episode, I'll be able to tell you all about my musical journey to this point right now, which is here in 2021 kind of thing so you know from a very very early age I have a there's there's two memories I'm going to talk about now so from an early age I kind of wanted to be on stage and people you know I wanted people looking at me and appreciating me doing something it's that weird rock star mentality The, the worrying thing is it was the 70s this first memory was in the 70s now i was either probably four or five i was i, I know i was that age because of where i was living in whitby in ellesmere port and i was coming up to a birthday it was either my fifth or sixth birthday and i everyone was coming around to my house for like a house birthday party you know all the kids i knew friends of family blah 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 to celebrate my birthday and it must have been i don't know if it was a couple of days or a week or so before my birthday i vividly remember seeing elvis presley on the tv in his jumpsuit with the little sparkly jewels on and a guitar and did i think he had a cape as well i'm in my in my memory he has a little cape as well he's on stage and he's you know he's doing all this posing kung fu stances and i was like i i fucking need to be wearing a jumpsuit like that and holding a guitar like that and doing all those moves for my birthday party i remember asking my mom saying to her can i dress up like this for my birthday party and i was i remember being deadly serious and my mum was like what what are you talking about i obviously didn't dress up but it's that memory of me seeing elvis and wanting to be elvis at my fifth or sixth birthday party which is all a little bit worrying isn't it really and then the other memory really vivid memory which kind of so so that so that first one it was kind of like it got me started to thinking i i want to be on stage i want to create something musically that people will look at me and think wow you know so that i guess that was the, the the first time i i had that urge to do something like that and then the next one it's like fast forward to the 80s probably you know eight, i think it was 83 i was 13 years old and it was just after christmas and it was the first i actually had the flu over christmas and up until that point every time i had a cold i was like i've got the flu i've got the flu you know and then i got the flu and it fucking floored me so i just i remember just recovering from the flu and my cousin kevin who was 10 years older than me unfortunately he's no longer with us that's probably a you know a story for for, for another episode that one so kevin had a cover band called winston and this is in the northwest of England. He lived in 
I want to say Wigan, Ashton in Makerfield. Is that Wigan? Is that the same place? I'll probably get some hate mail now for saying that. So he he travelled around with this cover band. They were really respected um, and, and, and people kind of really liked them. And it was, I just recovered from the flu. It's just after Christmas. My uncle Kevin's dad got in touch with my dad and he's like, oh, Kevin's playing in, I think it was Wigan. I want to say Wigan in a social club. You know, come along, you know, we can have a catch up, you know, over Christmas and blah, blah, blah. Or just after Christmas, as it were. So we rocked up and there's 13 year old me and my cousin's there. And, I was, and you know what? I really did look up to Kevin because, you know, he was in a band and he always did fun things. He did a lot of art and creative stuff as we kind of grew up. And because of the age difference, he was obviously way ahead of, of what I was doing. So I always looked up to him. So there we are in this social club, which was absolutely rammed full of people. Gets up on stage. He played, by the way, he played guitar, lead guitar. Gets up on stage. I think, you know, my memory... I think they all, you know, all look really sharp wearing these suits. And they played all the great sort of classic covers, you know, a lot of rock stuff. And I remember enjoying it. And it was, you know, that that might have been my first, thinking about it now, and I've never actually thought about it before, but that was probably my first live gig I went to. Yeah, it was. Wow. I, I, you know what? I've never even thought that, but I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it was. So Kevin is there with a the band, Winston plays this like blazing set i don't even know how long it went on it was great everyone was up everyone was loving it you know there's one part and i don't know what song but guitar solo kevin playing the guitar solo but he's on the shoulders of the singer as he's playing the you know the the the, the solo and everyone was just like to my 13 year old mind going completely wild and you know i remember really enjoying it anyway after the gig they all come off stage and we've got this big table so there's uncle um his partner not my auntie um but i call her auntie um i'm trying to think who else was there obviously my mum and dad and you know kevin comes over and he's like oh what do you think everyone's like wow that was amazing you know really really good everyone loved it and everyone was like sort of bigging him up and all that and he was just sitting there between his dad and, and, and me and we were kind of chatting and I was just like in awe and next minute this woman comes over to him kind of interrupts as we're talking attractive young starts chatting to him can't really hear what she's saying basically hands Kevin a little piece of paper and she wanders off and I was like what was that oh it's a it's a phone number says Kevin I was like do you know her and he's like no no and suddenly 13 year old me penny dropped so hold on, because you play guitar in a band on stage. There's people sort of giving you, random people, random women, let's get this straight, giving you their phone numbers to phone them, to get in touch with them. Obviously, for sex, you know what I mean? This is 13-year-old me, mind exploding at that point. I am thinking... I need to start a band. Whatever I need to start a band, this is a great way of meeting women. I mean, that sounds shallow and just lame and pathetic. 
And really, it's probably no different than the reason why, you know, most other people started a band. You know, whether you're, you're, you're sort of straight, gay, whatever. Hey, let's start a band. We, we'll probably be able to hook up with people, you know. Okay, music's great. But, uh, you know, now, now I say that out loud, this sounds like an absolute terrible reason to start a band. Anyway, so that was 83. And all through the 80s, I wanted to do something that would create a band. I didn't know how. This is young me. You haven't got a clue in your teenage years what the hell you're doing. I certainly didn't. Uh, I, I was into video games. School was there, which I was got in the way. I had friends. And, and we, we always wanted, you know, I... I my best friend Stu, I was like, we should, we should form a band. We should do something. We should, and he's like, yeah, yeah, it's great. Anyway, towards the end of the eighties, I think Stu, he he was always more musically than me. In a way, I look back now, and I think I wish I'd paid more attention in music lessons. You know, we kind of like asked about quite a lot in there, but we did have fun and we did learn stuff. But looking back now, I mean, my one of my music teachers was such a massive fan of the Beatles and at the time I just thought oh fucking lame but now I'm thinking my god why didn't I pay more attention you know I had to do a lot of catching up afterwards musically because I didn't really pay attention to music lessons so I mean that that is that is a bit of a lesson to everybody you know if if you if you're in school or you're in further education it's like for god's sake just concentrate just do it you never know when you know a lesson or a piece of information will be of importance to you in, in later life. I mean, I, I didn't, 70s and 80s, you know, I really didn't think I'm going to do something really musical with my life and my career. I never, never thought about that at all. I was just thinking, yeah, I can't wait to go and hang out with my mates, can't wait to play video games. You know, and that, and that was really the 80s for me. But I always said to Stu, we've got to do something. So it's kind of the end of the 80s. Stu gets a guitar, an electric guitar. And I remember us messing about and thinking, oh, this is great. And it was, at the time, we'd gone through... I guess we'd gone through our pop music phase and we were getting into hip hop with like the Beastie Boys as well. And then we were touching on to metal. We'd found Iron Maiden. And then who, who's this Metallica? Who's who's Slayer? It's even heavier. This is, and we, we were getting into that towards the end of the 80s. And we, we were just like loving all the music. I mean, Stu was into to other things as well. Um, but I think the main thing that connected us was metal heavy metal you know all, all iron Ma iron maiden that that's what it was so end of the 80s we we're like we need to get a band together stew has got a guitar 90s click over and i was like well what instrument am i gonna play i've got an acoustic guitar at home messed about on that messed with Stu's guitar you know realistically i'd love to play the drums the drums always fascinated me. It was just like, so, you know, I'm actually doing like a drum. I'm miming the drums at the moment while I'm talking about this. I just love the drums. I still, I still love the drums, but it's like, you know, realistically, how am I going to actually firstly buy a drum kit and secondly transport those drums? None of us drove at the time, although I think we were, we were all doing our driving tests. In fact, I, I tell a lie. Hold on. Did I, had I passed my driving test by then? Yeah, but I didn't have a car. I think I think that's, that's that was the thing. Um, so what instrument do I go for? Didn't want to be the singer. 
as much as I wanted to be Elvis in the 70s, I didn't want to be the singer. So I was like, you know, I could either be another guitarist or I am going to dominate the bass. So ended up buying cheap bass guitar. I don't even know don't even know the make of it now, but I remember it was this like dark silver body, this heavy bass guitar. I bought, um, I'm looking around, I'm recording this in my studio, I'm looking, looking around now because I still have the amp. I bought, it was a friend of my dad's who actually played in a band and he was selling one of his bass amps and it's actually a PV bass amp, which I still have. So this, this was the early 90s. I still have this in my studio. I still use it as well, connecting like sort of bass effects straight into that and recording. So I bought, I mean, it was the, like the heaviest amp you could imagine. It wasn't massive, but geez, carrying that. I'm sure that's why I've got a bad back. So I ended up buying an amp. Stu had his guitar and his amp. And we, we had a friend over the road called Mike. And he was into metal as well. So he was part of our sort of friends. And he, he ended up getting a guitar as well. And we were like, fuck it. Let's just, let's just form a band. Let's just do it. So we decided we wanted to form a metal band. Uh, we didn't initially have a name. But we, we, we started just learning covers. So we were learning, I, I think the, the main things we were learning were Metallica songs, you know, and um, I can't even remember which ones now, but it was Metallica. We might have done a Slayer song. Don't think we did an Iron Maiden song, but we were kind of just jamming. We literally jamming in my dad's garage and I think Mike's, Mike's dad's garage as well, I think as well. So we, we, we were just jamming on, on weekends where we wouldn't bug the neighbours too much and we needed to get to that next step so look we need a singer we need a drummer so we ended up finding a singer called chris who again was in our friend circle uh, as well so we got chris in he just you know it's one of them he had none of us had experience we were just like fuck it let's just do it got chris in and that's when we actually got the name morbid symphony and we realized at that point we were kind of getting into more sort of extreme uh, metal from like slayer onwards so we were like you know what let's do some heavy stuff now i remember some of the early stuff we did um trying to think now we did a song called planet kill which i don't even think we've got a recording it was like this like eco metal song it was uh it was probably pretty bad if i listen to it now but i remember we we played that one to death and then we started writing more extreme stuff because we got into sort of thrash as well um i guess with megadeth and anthrax and stuff like that then we get into bolt thrower more you know extreme uh forms of metal so we were doing like a lot of thrash and a lot of you know we, we would but this, this all the while we didn't have a drummer so we're like looking around for a drummer now i worked during the day in some computer company here on the wirral and i worked with a guy who basically had a brother who played drums and no disrespect to this guy, Paul, but, you know, he was a typical, like, um, in fact, I'll say this to his face, he was a typical, like, computer nerd. And he's like, yeah, my brother uh, plays drums. And we're like, and I was like, really, what what type of drums? Oh, he's into metal. And I was like, really? And I couldn't believe, you know, it's like, I, can't, I couldn't imagine Paul playing drums. And like, you got a brother. Is he like it? And he's like, no, no, he's quite different. I was like, geez. So... We arranged to go round, so me and Stuart arranged to go round to Paul's house where his brother, he lived with his brother, and just to really audition his brother. So we went round and we met Keith, or his name's Keith Hill. 
I call him Hilly. We'll, we'll call him Hilly. So um, we went around to see Hilly for the first time, and he had this little drum kit, and we kind of just like rocked up with guitar and bass and just like had a bit of a jam with him, and we were like, fucking hell, this guy can play drums. So we got, so then we got sort of Hilly in, and Morbid Symphony was solidified, formed, and during the 90s, we just played, you know, gigs over the UK, uh, towards the end of the 90s as well before the band split up uh, over to America as well and we record recorded quite a few things it was it was great I mean just kind of skipping back here to the 80s 13 year old me when I see a woman give a phone number basically a groupie gives a phone number to my cousin you know what for sex kind of thing and then let's fast forward to the 90s and me forming a band in the hope that it will attract people of the opposite camp. I mean, death metal in the 90s wasn't really known for... I mean, this sounds a sexist thing. It's not a sexist thing at all, but not lo- You know, there wasn't loads of women into death metal in the early days kind of thing. It was mainly blokes. It's probably the worst style of music, you know, I could have picked for forming a band. If I wanted to meet, you know, what if I wanted to meet someone of the opposite sex? But there we go. It's 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 just one of those things. So that's 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 how my band started on my first band anyway, and it was full on death metal. And you know, I'm, I'm proud of what we did. Morbid Symphony was a great band. We went through quite a few lineups, which is probably you know, there's a, there's a couple of things. In there, there was the the, dis- the mysterious disappearance of one of the guitarists. I think to this day, no one has found out where he is at all, which is really weird. The the other story from Morbid Symphony was we had T-shirts of you know the subliminal image, the face from The Exorcist. We had like a circular Morbid Symphony logo going round this face. We sold those at gigs and we start to think these t-shirts were cursed because people were getting injured in random ways while wearing this t-shirt we believed it was a cursed t-shirt these are these are probably future episodes of this podcast really i won't ramble on too too much but uh, talking about being in the death metal band in the 90s and not many women coming to see us one of the things i actually discovered great way to meet people male or female handing flyers out for your gig you know sort of going around pubs and clubs with a whole load of flyers hey hey my band's playing my band yeah i play bass guitar blah 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 i actually met my missus doing that so yeah okay can't knock it kind of all worked out really so that whole you know groupy thing all cool worked out in the end didn't it you know what i mean so um so that that was the 90s i kind of left before morbid symphony split up you know it, it was inevitable it was getting to the point where it was difficult to actually you know hold that band together and throughout morbid symphony me and hilly we were we were experimenting with music although it was a death metal band later on we're like hey let's bring some synth in synths in let's add a bit of world music let's do let's kind of mix it up you know we we both liked and still like a whole you know range of of, of genres of music we're not just like 
you know stuck in one genre so we will listen to a lot of different things and we bring in a lot of other styles over to, to death metal later on in, in in morbid symphony so me and hilly always said if this band ever splits up then we need to start our own band so i i left before it split up 98 i believe the band did actually split up and you know i i stayed in touch with hilly and we're like we must do something now early 2000s i was getting more towards the end of morbid symphony and and in in the early 2000s as well you know I, i was getting more and more into synth music and and soundtrack music now i'm a big film geek all through this i'm a big film geek that's why we use the sub- subliminal face of uh, from the exorcist on those t-shirts it was actually on we re- released a single which also had that face on as well and um, you know I, I was just i'm just a big movie geek so early 2000s i bought my first synth because i wanted to write soundtracks soundscapes i want to do i wanted to do these weird electronic things so I bought a Korg X3 synth and it was awesome. And I just lost myself in that synth and started to write using the built-in sequencer as well. It's got a built-in sequencer. I was writing stuff, all these mad, dark world type pieces of music and soundtracks and soundscapes. I absolutely loved it. Now I've actually still got the Korg X3. It's my main keyboard in the studio right here and I still use it every day. So, you know, it's like 20 years later, I'm still rocking the Korg X3 and I've got a whole load of other Korg hardware as well. I just love Korg. It's so different, you know. I mean, there's a lot of great synths out there, but Korg kind of does things a little bit different with the Chaosolator, the Chaos Pad, and, you know, all the synths. It's just so good. So I started dabbling into soundtracks and different things. And then, you know, I said to Hilly, let's form let's form a band let's do let's create another band it's not a metal band and we discussed what we're going to do what type of genre and we just thought fuck it no genre let's create a band and we can do whatever we want it's got to be dark and weird and strange and different but it can be heavy it can be light it can be acoustic it can be electronic it can be anything really we just didn't want to set boundaries so we created flesh resonance which is still going today and we started writing stuff now i had already been writing stuff on the x3 synth for you know my own solo stuff and then we started writing stuff for flesh resonance and then in 2001 we released our first flesh resonance album the dark between the stars and it's just a mix you can you can get it out there it's on spotify um it's on apple music go and check it out it's just a mix of all different styles of music and you know it was it was just us finding our feet and doing something a little bit different and it you know we were really really proud of it now the same time that was released i'm a big movie geek i love horror movies i read the dark side magazine again the dark side magazine all these years later it's still going i saw it in wh smith's the other day i was like jesus is still going anyway i got it every month dark side magazine and this particular month that our debut album came out there was a big section in the magazine all about independent filmmakers across the planet a lot of them in america obviously and i I said to hilly you know what we need to get our debut album out to these indie filmmakers and see if they want to use any of our music so i just started every week i was sending loads of cds out to all these different people and 
some of them came back and they're like, oh my God, can we use your music? Can, can we use your music? And one of the people who came back was a filmmaker who at the time was based in LA called Brad Paulson. And they were making a an anthology horror film called The Van. And he just loved the album and he just wanted to use loads of the music. And that kind of started a friendship with Brad to this day. And... You know, he started using our music and and he loved it. And then all the time, you know, this was happening. I was actually still writing for my solo debut album as well, which I eventually released. I don't even know. I can't even remember what year it was, but I I released it. I'm guessing it was about a year after Dark Between the Stars. So my my debut solo album, uh, Beyond the Veil, was released after that and because I'd made contacts with indie filmmakers like Brad Paulson and and a whole load of others I kind of followed the Flesh Resonance CDs up with my debut album as well so I, I kind of sent started sending them out as well and these filmmakers started using my music as well and started crediting me for the music and then some of them came back to me have you got more music Brad came back to me, right, we're working on something else. What else can you do? Can you write something specific for this scene? So, you know, really Brad gave me my first step into the the world of indie film composing. And, you know, I haven't really looked back since then. And, you know, it was kind of word of mouth. Uh, There's a whole load of films I worked on with Brad and then a whole load of other indie filmmakers who were kind of in that same circle there in LA. And to be honest, most of my work's been in America and, and um, North America and, and, and Canada, really. I haven't done too much in the UK. I mean, we're, we're a small island, so there's a lot less going on than, you know, America. But um, yeah, I just literally, I just haven't looked back since then. I've just kept going, kept writing, kept making more contacts. I mean, that's that's the important thing in the, in this business. It's kind of like make the contacts. As soon as you've found someone, you know, stick stick with that person. If you write something new, get it to that person. Just keep it going. Just keep it going. And um, I'm that's really in a long and rambling way how I actually got here. And that's where here is kind of indie music composer or indie dark alternative music composer or or skint indie dark alternative music composer <laughs> hey there's not a whole lot of money in this business really there is money but not loads but that's that's how i got got there so i hope you uh hope you found that interesting and you haven't nodded off because it was really boring and rambling but and, and the other thing is i hope you i hope you not sort of hate me because i've got into the music industry for all the wrong reasons which probably every other band, you know, same reason they get into the music industry <laughs> for the wrong reasons. But, you know, it worked out. I, it turns out I love music. It's great. I love movies, love music, and I love what I do. And if someone's going to listen out there and enjoy my music, then it's a bonus, you know? Thanks for listening to the Dark Alternative Music Composer. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Please like it, leave a review too. That'll be really cool. 
You can check out my music and my other projects via the links in the show notes. And until the next episode, take it easy and stay weird.